Now we're gonna take the Beatles and I'll be quiet. Oh, you recording our conversation? What? What is it? Looking for a home to last. Looking for a blast from the past. We're talking about 14 songs we hope to get. I've got a feeling. How many have we already recorded good enough? None. None of us has had the idea of what the show's going to be. I've got a feeling. I would dig to play on stage, you know. Nobody else wants to do a show. I think we've got a bit shy. What could it be? Paul, something in the way she moves. What attracted me at all? Just say whatever comes in your head each time attracts me like a cauliflower until you get the word. Welcome to this week's Wednesday with Fab. I'm Ed Chan. And I'm John Stone. Back with us, as she's been on any number of occasions, our good friend, the queen of all Beatles media, Kit O'Toole. Hey, Kit. Hey, Ed. Hey, John. Great to be back with you both. Welcome, welcome. So we decided to put out this special edition because we've all been so excited about what we just got to see and read because uh, the book also made its way out in the last couple of days here. The Get Back trailer. Pretty amazing stuff. It, it left a smile on my face. Well, and the footage is just gorgeous. I mean, wow, this is going to be quite an event. I'll get rid of the uh, questionable stuff for me right up front here. And they're all pretty minor quibbles. First off, everything I've seen so far has been presented in a widescreen format either 166 or 185 to 1. All of this footage was originally done on 16 millimeter, which is 4 by 3 So I would guess that Peter Jackson cropped either off of the top or off of the bottom. I can't speak to that. I, that could be. I, I don't know if you saw his uh, film about World War One, but that film was accompanied by a, about a 15 or 20 minute piece from Peter Jackson who explained the process and sources and all sorts of things. So it'd be kind of nice to have that as well on this project. And we may end up getting that whenever we do get a Blu-ray release, a, a final release of this probably next year, hopefully. I hope so. Yeah. And it would be interesting to see that because 57 hours of film that they had to go through and select what they were going to use for the film and then to restore all of that. I can't imagine. Right. What the- and, and that's interesting to me. It's like, so, you know, the Nagras are so familiar to Beatle fans that was at a point where it was like, here's this piece of audio. Do we have this on film? Cause this would be good to use. You know, I don't know what their process was. Well, and they did obviously do some coverage where what they're saying doesn't necessarily match what's on the screen. And just from what was presented, you can tell from an audio perspective what comes off of the Nagras and what comes off of other sources. The Nagras sound just the slightest bit more tinny, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. I'm not sure how that was set up, but, you know, different mics, I don't know. So the deal was... Obviously, this was originally meant as a made-for-TV project, so that's why they filmed it on 16 millimeter. 
four by three, and then it was cropped frequently cropped badly for the theatrical showings of Let It Be. Badly and, and then, is putting it mildly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, even better than that, they didn't go back to the original 16 millimeter when they started showing Let It Be on TV. They took the 35 millimeter blow up and pan and scanned it. Did you, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You lost top, bottom, left, and right of the frame. Pan and scan. Oh, that's that's a <laughs> an era we thankfully no longer have to live with. Thank God, that really just made it even worse. Yeah. Look for the British TV version, which is currently the best version of Let It Be that we have. It was sort of something which slotted into their post Christmas celebration. Well, wow. it's interesting, that, you know, that they haven't released it officially with a good cleaned up version of it but i think that word of mouth about the get back project will automatically increase interest in the old let it be i hope so i i really do because i think it's important that isn't replaced you know by by this yeah because while i mean this is very exciting i mean it really is and and you know we're gonna see a whole other side to this period i mean you know this is extremely important i don't think the original let it be should then just be lost that's a valid side of the sessions too you know and you can't just erase that side of the history i still want to see let it be out and restored you know back in print for sure yes well they did say that it would be coming quote at a future date unquote yeah of course that was back when this was still a 90 minute two hour theatrical film but i don't think those plans would have changed but then again this is let it be and how many times have we come this close to actually getting it out vhs dvd (laughs) there was even a proposed blu-ray i i hear at one point in time so yeah you know, we've got a remastered version of Yellow Submarine. I mean, why can't, we, why can't we have Let It Be, for goodness sakes? I mean, clearly somebody is standing in that doorway. Yeah. The story always was that it was uh, Olivia who didn't like the way George was represented, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, maybe, you know, they're judging to see partially you know, what the interest is in this. I mean, I think the interest will be very high. They do seem to be counting on this to reignite Beatlemania in a way that sort of hasn't happened since 09. Mm-hmm. I mean, eight days a week didn't quite strike that chord, I don't think. No. No. But, you know, in, in the world, the, the Beatle world, there are so many years of going along and and seeing a clip of something you hadn't seen before you know maybe even just two or three minutes of video footage and oh my god look at that but this is six hours exactly this is a major thing and probably will be the way that history will kind of look back on that period i don't know that they'll go to let it be necessarily yeah well i mean they're clearly trying to recreate anthology you know the whole three nights, two hours, Thanksgiving weekend. Yes, right. You know, <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking when you were saying recreating excitement. And all. Yeah, anthology, even releasing other um, products to coincide with it. You know, in this case, yeah, the book, the box set. Yeah, so I think that is ex- exactly what they're doing is trying to, in a way, replicate anthology i don't know if you can exactly do that i think anthology it was a different time i don't know if it's going to be that kind of excitement because of course you also had the added you know releasing a new quotes beatles song you know two beatles songs um but still i mean there's there's excitement here no question i mean you know with this new footage for beatles collectors that's huge so you know we'll see We'll see what yeah. uh, what uh, happens. So, do you guys have favorite moments in this uh, trailer? Yeah, uh, where uh, to I'll begin? Start, I'll start with mine, which is when uh, George has left and Michael Lindsay Hogg goes. The documentary is grinding to a halt. Grinding to a halt. I think it's taking off. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> uh, I just think that's great. That's how they dealt with George leaving. Well, the, that that and saying that they're going to split up his instruments. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. 
first of all, I think it was really smart, and I think they should have done this in the original um, documentary. I mean, I like how they frame this as a story. You know, I mean, I, I felt like the original documentary was just sort of aimless. I, I think it, I mean, yes, it culminated in the, you know, the rooftop concert, of course, but otherwise it just sort of meandered. And I feel like this, it's a storyline here is, you know, we've got to finish this album and we're going to, you know, culminate in this concert. And one of my favorite moments where he said, the best bit of us always has been and always will be is when we're backs against the wall. All we've got is us. What do you think? When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me. Yeah, that was one of my favorite moments in the trailer. I also love, um, I'm trying to remember if it was George who said this, something like, We're talking about 14 songs we hope to get. I've got a feeling. How many have we already recorded good enough? No. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, and, and very forcefully in a way. Yeah. <laughs> Martin has joined us. Let's see if you. Oh, can... great! I'm I'm here. Yep. And oh, funnily okay. enough, I've just come from recording an episode with Nick from Winter of Discontent. Mm-hmm. Oh, great! And right. we've been discussing this. So, an, an interesting comment. I'll just say this that uh, that Nick came out with. I don't know whether anyone said it yet. This, but Nick said the trailer. He said, and um, he, he mentioned something. He said it's it's like it's got a story to it. I know. I know. Kit said something about it's having a story to it. And then I said to him, I said, yeah, it's a bit like uh, keeping up with the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> it's like dramatic bits that you get in reality TV shows. You know. So it's like a storyboard and very similar to a modern reality show. You could almost imagine someone like Motley Crue doing a television show like this on MTV in the day. In a beach house. In a beach house, <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. As much as we like to rag on the Kardashians and their uh, reality-created fantasy, yeah. fantasy-created reality, one or the other, to a certain extent, you can see how Let It Be was more or less the same kind of idea. They knew they were going to have these set pieces, and then they were going to take and film reality around it and mold it into the story they wanted. The problem that you had with the film Let It Be when it came out was the fact that the sessions had been a whole year beforehand. And at this point, for all intents and purposes, the group had actually split up unofficially at this point for months. So... In a way, the way that the film Let It Be came out might have been actually coloured by the animosity they all had, particularly against Paul at that point. So that might have coloured the notes that they gave to Michael Lindsay Hogg and have caused the film to come out the way that it did. Not saying that they were all sunshine and roses for the whole time, but... I think Let It Be might have been coloured a bit more that, that negative way because that's how they were feeling in April of, of 1970. Yeah, I think that definitely had a, an impact, you know, the behind-the-scenes feel. And I've often wondered when, when the film had to be re-edited because it was too long, Michael Lindsay Hogg just kind of leaned towards Paul. I think that was one of the big complaints of the other Beatles was that, all their good stuff got cut out. Mm. My other minor quibble with this is that while the color correction is outstanding, but Peter Jackson also seems to have leaned a little bit heavy in the digital denoising. You know, film grain is an essential part of film. It's what makes movies look like movies. And part of the mess of Let It Be has been too much grain. But here they just seem to have decided we're going to take it all out. And, you know, it's great. Everything is clear and you can see everything, but how much of that is natural and how much of that is the computer going in and fixing this pixel and fixing that pixel? I don't know. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more grain in the film, just a little bit. Perhaps they made it that way because it it leans more towards a more modern, younger audience to have that less grain where they like the digital... Christ, pristine uh, look 
uh, that they, they have nowadays in film. Whereas we are all from from an era where we remember watching films where you will have that grain that you would have from film tape. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point because as I was watching that, I thought, wow, this could have been made today. And as you say that, I mean, that makes perfect sense. You know, because that's exactly what I was thinking. You know, I mean, like, and I think that's probably the effect they were going for. For me, I just was so used to, yeah, the the you know over greeniness of the original. Let it be that I I was thrilled to see this. You know, is it a little too perfect? Maybe, but it doesn't bother me enough to really be too critical of it because it's it is just so clear. It's 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 beautiful. Phenomenal. No, no, it's absolutely beautiful. It's just, we can't say that it's perfect. And there's where I come down. It's like, well, here's what I would have done a little bit differently. Yeah. And, and I'm pretty sure we're going to get the grainy version when they re-release Let It Be. So. Yeah. I, I really don't know. I mean, they're certainly going to take what Peter Jackson did when they recreate the cut. I'm assuming that they haven't already done that. I'm sure they have. I like it because it is aimed at now it's not aimed at old beetle fans necessarily we're all thrilled with it anyway but it looks great it, it kind of like the difference of listening to you know an mp3 versus vinyl you know they have different effects but my son is not a big fan of vinyl because of that very that sound <laughs> that accompanies it it's what we like to describe as warmth some right. others yes. might describe yep. as hiss yeah. yeah, I prefer Miles Davis on vinyl to Miles Davis on CD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I prefer listening to Wonderwall on record. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Horses for courses, as they say. <laughs> exactly. So, so a couple of uh, extra comments external to the trailer. Peter Jackson has said that there are not going to be any talking heads in this film, which surprised me a little bit, and the trailer holds that out. Yes, I was surprised by that as well. Yeah, I, I heard that and I thought they might have ended up doing that. But on the other hand, I'm also happy about that in a way. After seeing the 321 documentary of Paul, I'd be slightly miffed with Paul's, shall we say, questionable memory nowadays. <laughs> right. Well, let's say that, yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I think there are also agendas going on, perhaps, some personal agendas of how they want to remember the past and i don't think it's necessary there it is just right on video (laughs) everything they're saying everything they're doing and i don't know if you really need talking heads to offer commentary yeah for me it would be nice to have something that would explain certain contexts of what was going on around them and how the project developed because they didn't really have a clear idea they started off we're going to do a bunch of songs from the white album and we're going to play them at the roundhouse. And it went from that to what we ended up with. It was just constantly evolving. That's I think in part, those hours of meetings that they would have trying to decide what it was they were going to do. And at first it was going to be a few songs that they were going to write and perform when they decided to go that route. And then they decided they were making an album, which went okay from seven to 14 songs, those kind of pressures on them, the context might be nice to have. Peter Jackson has indicated that there will be contextual clues, almost sort of a a Wikipedia-style entry (laughs) while the film is playing. When they go and they're playing Dig It, he has indicated that there will be either film or a brief caption photo indicating who, for example, Matt Busby was almost like a you know when you sometimes read books and you have like a little sidebar or or a footnote yeah so it'll be a bit like that where you'll suddenly have trivia that will come up and explain to you what this is about and what that's about that's that's a fascinating idea this was in an interview with peter jackson where he was describing a sequence and he said oh and then we're gonna throw up this little bit of footage which tells you exactly who this guy was I think that's actually a much better idea than talking heads where, like I said, you could have, because of the age of these people involved, their memories are a bit questionable. I think that's a much better idea to have like these little factoids that appear 
to explain what this is about and the relevance and the, you know, they go into all different pop culture references. They're throwing them out all over the place during the sessions. Right. So, yeah. you know, you, you need that sort of explanation of what that's about. Like, you know, um, I'm going to say this again. I've just got off a call with Nick Sheerard, who does the uh, the show Winter of Discontent. And for anyone listening to this and interested in the Get Back sessions, his podcast is absolute paramount. It's fantastic. And we were saying how there's certain things like when um, George uses the uh, uses the phrase deaf aid, it's a strange name that is given to an amplifier, which, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't hmm. make any sense these days, today. Right. But it's a phrase that they used back then between the band where they'd say, oh, you know, turn on the deaf aid, and it's the name of the amplifier that they've called the amplifier that it's a nickname for it. So mm. you need that sort of you, exactly. information. Yeah. Exactly. Some of it's arcane and, so, you know, and for a new audience, the references would be totally unknown. Well, particularly given you've got things like Paul and Ringo coming into the studio talking about watching The Who on TV last night. It's like, yeah. what What were The Who doing and what was airing on the BBC? What was the night before? It's like... Top of the pops. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure, I'm guessing, Peter is not going to include parts where Paul is discussing his itchy dick. We could uh, skip that. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. Is it relevant? <laughs> I don't mind seeing John having a go at playing the saber dance, though, on the guitar. <laughs> you know, and I don't need to know what they ordered for lunch every day. You know, some of that's included in the book, which shocked me. I'm like, really? You had to include that? Okay. Or when they came back from one of the breaks, you know, after being a bit inebriated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one of the things we've gotten out of these deluxe boxes, George loves to shout out his lunch orders, doesn't he? He, he sure he does. He does on the White Album, and he, he does it here on the Let It Be box. Yeah, he yeah, does. Absolutely. He shouts out, yeah. get this for me, Mal. <laughs> right. He wants his lunch, and he wants it now. <laughs> but, I mean, looking at the whole context of the, the, the piece itself, it's a strange situation for them to put themselves in because... It's a situation that they had never, ever been in before. When they did the first album, Please Please Me, which was done in a day, admittedly, those songs, like I saw her standing there, that was played back in in Hamburg, and all these other songs that were original, I think there were only like three numbers that were, were fresh on there that weren't covers, that were originals, that they had to learn for that session. Otherwise... This sort of thing where they're going in and not got any material whatsoever practiced for an album or written, in fact, it's something that they've never actually done until this moment. Who would do that, (laughs) really? And you've just gotten off of having recorded this massive 30-song album. Which they recorded about 60 songs for. (laughs) And so when they came to Let It Be, you know, they had, certainly they had bits and pieces Paul apparently had kind of worked on Let It Be or the idea of Let It Be during the White Album sessions and several songs, but nothing was finished. And so even the person who wrote it wasn't coming to the sessions with a clear view of kind of what it was. They had to do an incredible amount of work in a short time, knowing that Ringo was going to leave to go film Magic Christian. At the end of January, that that was their real deadline. Right. And you know, I'm sure that Peter Jackson will will go into that to a, a greater or lesser degree, right? So clearly, there had there has to be information given to put it in context. I don't know how he's going to do it. Two more general comments, then we'll just sort of uh, roll through some of these clips and what we thought about these bits and pieces. Uh, first off, there's that great shot where Ringo and John are arm in arm walking out of the studio. Yeah. Which also was in the preview that we got last year. Yeah. But still here, you know, that's great to see. I, I love that. I, I just think, you know, there, it, again, it just shows that not every moment of this was, was hell. I mean, and they didn't hate each other every moment during this recording. That was a touching moment. Clearly, they were still mates. And they still still had great affection 
for yeah. each other no matter what was was going down business wise and everything and also love Ringo's shirt oh and John's shirt wow that brings me to my other comment which is you know look at the clothes that they're wearing Ringo in particular but all of them you know, the color correction just makes all of their outfits pop now absolutely uh, yeah the, now there's a podcast which is significantly devoted to the fashion of the Beatles so we're not going to go into it too much but it is out there if you folks want to go looking for it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And another bit that, that I really liked and smiled at was the bit where you've got Linda's daughter, Heather, having a laugh with John Lennon. Yes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the, the Heather sections because that, that looks really cute. I mean, that and, and you know, and banging on Ringo's drums. and all. I mean, it looks like they really, you know, had fun with her. I mean, and she looks like she's having a ball. So, yeah, I can't wait to see that. That looks really cute. But is, but is Peter Jackson going to leave in the segment where she was imitating Yoko's vocals? Ooh, oh, that's not so okay. cute. I forgot about that. Come on. I'm not sure that I would put that on there. No. Uh, no. (laughs) But it's part of that day, and, you know, Yoko did her thing, and then then Heather said, I can do that, and she did. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Do do we really want the whole 57 hours worth as a documentary? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Well, no, it just leaves it so that we can later on have a documentary of the documentary of the documentary. Of the documentary. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, you know it's coming. And I've, <laughs> I've said ages ago that there's going to be a soundtrack album for this. I still think it's an inevitability. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Particularly given the way the Let It Be box, we've heard from sources within UME that originally there was to be a 789-disc box for let yep. it be and then the call from on high was nope we got to cut it back <laughs> oh i mean that's the real reason for there being an ep in this box oh really oh i didn't know that we don't know exactly what is on those extra discs but i think we can guess mm-hmm. i would guess that the ep disc was probably accompanied by the rooftop concert in its entirety yeah yeah that would that would be logical yeah I think that there will be a soundtrack that will include all the songs that were performed at the rooftop concert, but they'll pick the best versions of right. those songs from that concert and piece them together as a whole. Yep, I agree. Which will make people mad. <laughs> oh, look what they cobbled together. Yeah, um, and people will be irritated because they'll say, why did they not put take one? Why did we get right. take three? Yeah, right. Oh, yes. As long as they don't edit the multiple takes together. I don't want yeah. that. Yeah. Like, not guilty. Except that they did it themselves. Can't that still be done? Good point. Or perhaps mm. it's sacred text. <laughs> so, so, okay, you know, let's, uh, you know, we talked about some of our favorite moments. Let's just sort of run through the, the four minutes. It starts with the text telling us that in January 1969, a film crew was given unprecedented access to document the Beatles at work. This resulted in over 57 hours of the most intimate footage ever shot of the band. This footage has been locked in a vault for over half a century, unseen, and then you get John Lennon snapping. Until now! A <laughs> <laughs> little bit of drama. Right. Like I said, I, I still think it's going to be put together that way so that it looks almost like a 1969 reality TV show. And again, I yeah. think that's kind of a smart way to do it. You know, as I mentioned earlier, that's where the original film, you know, it kind of just sort of meandered, and I think it's it's smart. I mean, and, and actually the book does a similar thing where it, it even describes it like a play 
I think is interesting. You know, Act 1, Twickenham, Act 2, Apple, Act 3, Rooftop Concert. I've always seen someone saying that they want to take the dialogue and edit it down into a two-act play. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, in a way, you almost could. So I think that is smart to cast this as kind of a drama in a way. I mean, you know, but I mean, in any case, to make it a coherent storyline. So I I don't, yeah. yeah, So I don't blame them for describing it as this in the, in the trailer, you know, make this an easy to follow storyline and it helps build anticipation. Absolutely. Well, you've definitely got the bits there that work for that narrative. Like someone already mentioned the bit with John, you know, where where they said, oh, you know, how many songs have we got that we can use? None. You know, that's perfect for that sort of narrative. And then you've got the bit later where it goes, oh, George quits. Is sort of nowadays a trope of television. Yes. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, after the George quits bit, you know, when Michael Lindsay Hogg says the documentary is falling apart and John says, it's just taking off, you know? (laughs) And, and then Paul says, yes. And here we go. That's like a commercial for this. Yes. (laughs) It is. It's like a soundbite that they've purposely picked for that reason. Mm -hmm. Yes. Agreed. Okay. So the trailer starts with don't let me down. And they're showing footage from the 21st of January. I don't know if that's just a thing because they thought that's a good way to start the trailer. It may be Don't Let Me Down is a great song to bring people into this. Yeah, actually, that's almost, oh, what can I think of? It's like one of these films where it starts with how something happens and then it'll suddenly go back into the past and it'll say this is where it all ended up this is how it all started and then lead you back to where the beginning is it's a bit quentin tarantino-ish really in a way where you start at the end and then you come back to the beginning and work your way back to the end again although it's not completely the end but then they take you to the beginning because you know michael Lindsay hogg comes out and says now we're gonna take the beatles i'll be quiet (laughs) (laughs) right which, right. incidentally, it wasn't all the time. Yes, that's for sure. <laughs> I've listened True. to those 30 days. Yes. <laughs> you know, to be fair, they were trying to craft whatever it was. I mean, Michael had a definite agenda. The, the, the film has to end with something. And I think he was just kind of tossing out stuff and trying to get ideas back. You know, we have the ability to look back after 50 years at this time when Michael was building this. We didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know how it was going to end or or what was going to even going to take place. It was a constant evolution. Now, one thing which they sort of start here, get back from the very beginning all the way through to the end, and you got Paul looking for a line, and Ringo suggests this. Very, very good looking for a what? What is it? Looking for a home to last. Looking for a blast from the past. Looking for a blast from the past. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) So I I wanted to make a point when Hogg says, uh, you know, I'm going to be quiet. We're going to tape the Beatles. And and George asks, Are you recording our conversation? And I'm thinking, did you not know how this was going to work? Or was there no parameter set? Or knowing what I know about George, that information probably shocked him. You're going to be recording everything? Yeah, because he did. He seemed surprised. Yeah. Yeah, and I kind of thought the same thing. Like, didn't he know that this was the project? The true story of the Beatles. If you have not been able to obtain it, you can still get it direct. Originally, we were rehearsing. We were rehearsing the songs that we were planning to do in some big TV spectacular or something. We had a vague idea of doing a TV show, but we really didn't know the formula of how to do it because we didn't really want to do, obviously we didn't want to do a magical mystery talk having already been on that trip. And we didn't want to do sort of the Tom Jones spectacular. And we're always trying to be, uh, to do something slightly different. And uh, we're down in Apple rehearsing and we decided to film it on 16 millimeter 
to maybe use as a documentary. Then we go into I've Got a Feeling, the the dialogue we've already spoken about, you know, we've got no songs. Then we get a cut of the slate in front of the drum head, which kind of interested me because that had always seemed like just a spontaneous moment, the camera capturing Mal walking in with the drum head. No, they had that planned out. <laughs> they knew exactly what they were doing. <laughs> yeah one of the Beatles podcasts, somebody actually said that they thought that that was staged anyway. I can't remember who it was who said that now. Here's some proof. Yeah, it, yeah. it absolutely was. It is staged. Yeah, because they thought that it, it would make a good intro to the film. Yeah, exactly. Set the stage at the beginning. You know, the Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. With Paul playing something on the piano like that, definitely by that point, it's like, okay, here's going to be the first scene. Yeah. One other thing I noticed from this film footage, the musicians are going to go nuts because, you know, gear porn everywhere, <laughs> guitars, amplifiers, uh, recording consoles, just close-ups, and it all looks so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It does. If, if anybody's interested, those amplifiers were new to the Beatles, by the way, because they'd only just recently received those. Interesting. That was why they had such a problem with sound at the beginning is because John and George had just received those amplifiers, so they weren't actually used to how to control them and how the, the switches work at that point. That makes sense. Interesting. Let's let's just mess with everything. No songs, new gear, yeah. and put a camera crew in front of it. <laughs> this will be great. <laughs> it will. What can go wrong? We don't know how to use any of this stuff. We'll learn that in the three weeks, in the four weeks as well. As long as George doesn't shock himself. Yeah, but it's not plugged in. I bet it's not. Yeah, right. <laughs> On the microphone. Yeah. Didn't Paul learn anything from Magical Mystery Tour? <laughs> we don't need a script. <laughs> we don't need nothing. So one of the more surprising quotes from this uh, trailer... I would dig to play on the stage, you know. Nobody else wants to do a show. <laughs> really? Wow. wow. You know, wasn't it Paul who wanted the band to go and be live again? Yeah. Yes. Although there is the, that priceless bit where Ringo's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> That's Ringo's response to John wanting to play live. <laughs> I think John's opinion of things, he, he could switch his opinions on a dime. He'd have one opinion at, at one point, and then 10, 15 minutes later, he'd be like, no, I don't like that idea at all. But he was spurred on, I think, with that idea at that point, because he'd just come off the rock and roll circus. Oh, right. The, the Rolling Stones film, I think. So perhaps that was something that spared him on a bit because he'd had that performance there and he thought wow i enjoyed that it wasn't a bad performance but then it wasn't you know pristinely 100 percent great performance either well you know paul wasn't there to make it perfect um, (laughs) but it was because i've always liked his performance the rock and roll circus yeah um i'd be interested to know when that footage was because he could have been talking about the the plans to play at the roundhouse Mm mm-hmm because that was the initial idea. We think of it now as the rooftop concert, but you know the idea at first was that they'd be playing at the Roundhouse. And they put an ad in Beatles Monthly. Yeah. You've got the whole crew that are working on the Let It Be sessions, the, the documentary, the filming of it, and the capturing of it. Everybody on there had actually worked on the Rock That's and right. Roll Circus film. The editor, the same director, every single person was the same crew from that rock and roll circus so they just basically followed john in a sense yeah well michael Lindsay hogg obviously i mean yeah that's yeah. the man who brought yeah. everything over to this right. new project that's actually an intriguing idea that you know at that point john was the person who you know brought that whole crew over so he may have expected a different film than what he got totally interesting mm. um then we get a brief shot of George on drums, which I like. You don't see George on drums all that often. Yeah. Definitely not. You, you see John on the drums occasionally, but he's, he's not a good drummer, is he? And I think we did see John on the drums in the other bit of footage. Yeah, that... he comes in and lights a cigarette. And... Yeah. yeah. Quick cut. So it went, there's Ringo on drums, then he got Paul on drums, got John on drums, and then George on drums. And it was like, bang, 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 bang. Oh, they've all played the drums in that little, like, 10 seconds. I was in a band with three frustrated drummers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so then, we, then we move on to, to I Me Mine. So George was on his drum, so Ringo has to tap out the beat on an amp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Playing six on the amp. Yeah. 
this is where the calendar motif uh, rolls in. I commented to Kit that, you know, Mark Lewison does something very similar in his live shows when he talks about, you know, what's going on on what days. He puts up a calendar and he starts crossing out days as you move along. Yeah, and again, that's a that's an effective storytelling motif. And, and so, you know, I'm assuming that's what we're going to see in the documentary. I think you'll get you know, little calendar bits and they'll, they'll write something on there that's specific to that day when it's something that happens. So as it goes day by day by day, you'll have, oh, this has happened on this day. And then, yeah, I think you'll get that throughout. Exactly. You get a pristine calendar and then they write live shows on the 19th and the 20th. And then you see the days start to cross out, you know, two, three, six, seven, nine, ten, eleven. Mm-hmm. Then we get to the twelfth, then it's meeting with George. So they, they don't yet tell you that George has left. Mm-hmm. Right. No. Not in the uh, trailer. They yeah. talk about George leaving, but they put that after this meeting with George. Right. We'll have 20 minutes of all that at, at some point. We're, we're just talking about the structure of the trailer here. I mean, they're, they're doing a pretty good job at moving it along, I think. Ringo tells us, and, and this was uh, interesting to me. I'm not sure I've heard this quote before. The meeting was fine, but then you know, it all sort of fell apart in the end. Then we get the scene which says, George quits. You, you'll notice there's no date on the box on the calendar where we get this George quits. That's true. Right. But then they've used that perfectly as a dramatic point as well. Exactly. The trailer is just so effective because they're showing, you know, as you said, the crossing the dates off and then George leaves and, and then Ringo saying the, the meeting fell apart. You know, if you don't know the whole story, you know, you're thinking, oh, no, now they're not going to make this deadline. What are they going to do? You know, it's just a great story. You know, that's... Well, especially because the next thing, they, they cross out the, the live shows, and it says the 19th and the 20th, live shows canceled. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. yeah, exactly. You're waiting for the dramatic music. That's exactly it. You expect the low piano uh, chord, don't you? <laughs> the, boom. Yeah. You know, a bit like, you know, a day in the life, the ending of it. Boom. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> You missed something there, Mr. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> like you say, the only thing about that is they then cut back into John and Yoko waltzing. Of course, they're not playing I Me Mine under it, so you know maybe they're... Oh, well, nobody will know that we're actually doing this to the George song and George is back in the band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and a George song that John hated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> So what's our next move? Deputy split George's instruments. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a favorite part of mine. I mean, I, I've read that John said, well, we can get Eric Clapton to come in and fill in for George, but I'd never heard the, uh, we'll split George's instruments. <laughs> no, I haven't heard that one either. I mean, up until then, I, I've read on, on one of the Facebook um, groups recently, over the last few days, somebody said that, they think that that's been misunderstood and they were wondering whether it was just Eric filling in for George because of the supposed performance that they were going to do. Well, except that John did make a more formal offer to Clapton later in the year. He did actually say, you want to make a band together? And it's like, it never <laughs> happened. It wasn't going to happen. Yeah. I mean, we, no. We've been through the All Things Must Pass story, and Eric would have lasted with John for about, oh, eight minutes? Yep. <laughs> We're very lucky that we actually got Eric to perform on him with him on one of the uh, Plastic Ono songs and that concert, really. Yeah. Then we're falling quickly towards the end of the trailer this November. The best bit of us always has been and always will be is when we're backs against the wall. All we've got is us. What do you think? We're moving towards the end, which everybody knows, you know, it's going to go on the roof. Then we get almost like what they did in 321, memorables from their past. Mm-hmm. You know, you get photos from the BBC, photos at the cavern, just them enjoying themselves in their past. It's a little bit interesting because... Uh, the thing about 321 was the whole thing was in black and white yeah. and the photos were colorized almost like sort of McCartney's memories of the past were 
more vibrant than his present. So what does it mean here that, okay, it's color footage and the photos for the most part are in color? That's an interesting point. I thought that, that it's so incredibly vibrant color-wise, this film, in absolute contrast to McCartney 321 with the black and white. I thought the same thing, and you're right. It's, yeah, it is like the complete opposite. Hmm. We move on to the girls on the street. What would you like to see the Beatles do now? The show, a live show. <laughs> Yeah. Again, they've picked the perfect thing for this narrative where we want to see a live show. Well, what's going to happen? They get a live show. It's on top of the roof. There you go. <laughs> Although they still have a couple more surprises for us. At about the three-minute mark in the trailer, you get Alan Williams hanging out with the Beatles in, during the Get Back sessions. When I saw that photo in the book, it's like, wow. And then here's the film footage of it. Absolutely. Yep. That bit was like, wow. I, I mean, I'd, I'd forgotten that Alan Williams had actually turned up around that point. With German recordings? <laughs> <laughs> Very likely, yes. Maybe he hadn't lost the Lou Walters summertime at that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just thinking, hey, you've got Apple Records. I have a, a Beatles record from 1962. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they've quite recovered it yet. I mean, you know, that wasn't until the 70s that they pulled it out of that studio in Liverpool. It's true. Yeah. You know, Ted Taylor just had the tape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except it had been offered to Brian years earlier. In, in like, 63, 64, but... Uh, yep. yeah. Listen to a previous episode of When There Was Fab for a fantastic discussion <laughs> about this between Ed and John. All right. <laughs> Then we get some more clothes porn. <laughs> <laughs> Billy playing the bass and Paul playing the guitar. Check out the jacket, which is like leaning over the chair. It's, it's a pinstripe jacket with pink buttons. Ooh. Yeah. But, but they knew how to dress. Ooh. They did. Yeah, this was a great fashion movie. I mean, you of course didn't, couldn't see it before. And now with this great restoration, you're like, yep, they were styling. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more Billy Preston in, in this uh, this documentary. Yeah, I didn't know he played bass. To be honest, Kit, I'm looking forward to the eventual uh, release of a clothes line based on it. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going straight there and I'm buying that shirt at John's. Yeah. Yeah, I love that shirt. Our good friend Joe Biardi, he's going to be ordering a boatload of new clothes uh, sometime soon here. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> He, 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 just, he just loves his copy Beatle fashions. Wow. Yeah, it could be get back to good fashions. Oh. Well, I think you've got a business start out there. That's yeah, right. Well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> yeah, but, but Apple will have to be involved. And so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take 0.5% things. <laughs> <laughs> And then all rights revert back to Apple at some point. Then we get a brief clip. I think it was of them doing Please Please Me when Paul Paul does the woo. You know, we <laughs> talked about that. That's, that's kind of a down moment on the Nagras, but they've edited just that little bit into this trailer. So it's like, it's a happy moment now. <laughs> <laughs> but that shows that it will be in the eventual film. So will that, will that be the expanded version where it is actually the negative or will they I don't know. only have it as a passing thing? Right. We shall see. I mean, all we've got is six, seven minutes now of, of six hours. So, And eventually in a couple of years, we'll have the expanded version on Blu-ray that's about 12 hours. <laughs> there you go. And we'll all be disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah because we want, the, we want the other 45 hours. Right. That's right. <laughs> And we're, we're all running out of time. Yeah. <laughs> then to the denouement, just like at the beginning, you know, Michael Lindsay Hogg said, I'm going to shut up. So now he says, uh, Ringo said that he thought we had to just tell it like it is. I think we are. <laughs> That's a nice little quote there. Yeah. More good sound bites. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then John comes back with, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's one conversation, but I... <laughs> no, but works well. It cuts together, yeah. Yeah. Then onto the roof, a shot that I liked. We see Paul going through the door and going onto the roof. 
there is rumored to be film of them sort of psyching each other up. The other three kind of being nervous and are, are we going to do this? Are we not going to do this? And, you know, John goes, F it. Yep. <laughs> and goes yeah. through the door. And, and, mm. and we, so we see Paul going through the door. Does that whole thing exist? I hope so. I, I mean, I hope it, if it does, oh, that'd be great to see. But will they allow that word on Disney Plus? Oh, that's right. This <laughs> is on Disney Plus. Yeah. yeah, I don't think the F word will fly on Disney Plus. Hmm. I'm surprised about that in a way because, I mean, we, we have a different service in, in, in England, you know, we're called, I think it's called Star that's part mm. of Disney Plus, which is basically our version of Hulu in America. So I'm actually surprised that it's going on Disney Plus in America and not on Hulu, because then you'd mm. be able to actually have the bad language without any problems. Right. Yep. I don't know. Well, I'm pretty sure it's about money. <laughs> it is about the money, but I, I tend to think the cursing is going to make it. Okay. You, you don't. You can't take it out. It may be bleeped, but... Uh... Yeah, but it'll probably bleep. Yeah, they could do that. And then when we get it on some physical format, it'll be an unbleeped version. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't believe the corporate thing where they've been saying that it's only going to be on Disney Plus and you won't be able to buy it physically. I think it will yeah. be. I, I think, think they've eventually. already decided. I think they've already decided it's going to be released physically, but they're just saying this to get people to subscribe to the service to watch sure. the film. Right. Absolutely. I will call it no later than October of next year. No later than a year from now. Yep. Yep, Absolutely. You heard it here, folks. So more of them getting up on the roof. Maureen's red raincoat. Wow. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) You can see your reflection in it. It Not only is it a very bright red, it looks tremendous. Mm -hmm. And then as you mentioned, the trailer ends absolutely perfectly. You know, we get begins November 25th. And it's one, two, three, four, and it's like, okay, yeah, <laughs> wait for it. It's a well-executed trailer. They really spent some time on that to get the narrative put across that they're after getting incredibly well through the trailer. And it builds anticipation. Well done. And I think we're all happy with it, which is saying something. I mean, you know, like you say, minor quibbles aside. Yeah. It's not avoiding all of the difficulties that were going on around the time either. It's it's actually making a point of them. And because of the fact that they are following this reality TV sort of trope, they can use all those negative bits from the sessions to build that natural drama that they are after for the modern audience. I think that's a really important point because that was, you know, what was really concerning everyone. Oh, are they just going to edit out all the tension and all? No, they're they're obviously going to use the tension as part of the story. You know, this whole, are we going to be able to get this album out or is this concert going to happen or not? And some of the tensions that were going on at the time were part of that. Not the whole story, but part of that. So obviously that's the way they are going to go with telling the story. And so I think that was the right call. If this trailer is indicative of how the documentary is is going to be um, um, constructed, then this isn't a whitewashing of history. Absolutely. We didn't do a special show just for the Peter Jackson uh, preview because, you know, it wasn't telling the story. It wasn't, and it really wasn't all that indicative of what the final film is going to be. It's okay. Here's some stuff that I finished and cut together. Exactly. Right. This is at least we hope we strongly believe that this is going to tell us something about the final film. And it won't be colored by the negativity that, like I mentioned earlier, that they had back in April of 1970. So now it might actually be a true representation with with all the negatives, but also with some of the positivity that was going around as well, you know, such as when, when they got to Savile Row, they were in a much better frame of mind. So I think it will be a true representation of what they were going through. But yes, it will be pieced together with that narrative line going through it at the same time. Yep. Well said. As has been said many times in the original Let It Be film, you know, Billy just kind of shows up with no explanation. Hopefully there's enough footage there that they can craft, you know, that little 
sub story into what's going on here. You know, we've always just kind of had George's voiceover saying, oh, well, you know, everybody was being bitchy. And uh, the way around that was to invite somebody else in. Yeah. But will they pick up on the uh, on the incorrect, even at that point, memory of George seeing Billy playing with with Ray Charles recently when actually it had been months earlier and Billy was actually in England doing a show uh, for the BBC, I believe, but George actually said, no, I saw saw him the other day playing a gig, but that isn't actually what happened. It was George just misremembering when he'd seen a gig with Billy. So I put a message out uh, to find if Billy was in town and told him to come in to Savile Row, which he did. Billy Preston walked in the office, I just grabbed him and brought him down to the studio and said, how would you like to play piano? That's a good question, though, about, you know, properly introducing Billy, because, yeah, if there isn't enough footage, then, you know, Peter Jackson's going to have to do something with, you know, Wikipedia or however, <laughs> the Wikipedia method or whatever, you know, some kind of on-screen explanation, uh, because that's a good point that in the original film, yeah, he just showed up with no explanation yeah. and yeah, very important to put him in context because he's such an important part of the story. I think we're just about out of time here. Uh, thanks everybody for joining us on such short notice for a very special show uh, with us today. Kiddo tool queen of all Beatles media. We can find you every other week on talk more talk. Yes, indeed. You can find us there. Just go to our Facebook page or you can uh, find us on the web at uh, talkmoretalk.com. And you can find me on uh, Facebook uh, and on Twitter at Kiddo Tool. And joining us a little bit late here because he was working on his own show, Pods Like Us, uh, Marv Martin Quibell, uh, our correspondent from across the sea. That's correct. Yep. From the other side of the pond. Uh, he also is co-host of a George Harrison podcast, P2 Podcast Blues with uh, Hudson Ranney. Indeed, and we did a really good show recently where Ed, Ed guested as a co-host and we spoke to um, uh, Jason Kruper and Ken Womack about the All Things Must Pass Away book that they came out with. And uh, unfortunately... Hudson didn't get many words in between me and you, did he, Ed? <laughs> well, well, we can't shut Kit up, so, you know. <laughs> we, can, we catch up with it in our other shows. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's John and I. Next week we start in on the Let It Be box set. Yeah. Get ready for seven or eight weeks, all about Let It Be. <laughs> all about Let It Be. We're, we're, we're going to be in Get Back Land until the end of the year. We've got the Let It Be box, and then we're going to have... The Beatles Get Back. And, and we're not going to do it in just three shows. It's probably going to be five or six at least. We did an over an hour on four minutes here. <laughs> get, get ready in January to start talking about the Get Back soundtrack. That's right. That's right. <laughs> there you go. All right. Thanks, everybody. We will talk to you soon. This has been fun. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Subscribe to When They Was Fab on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or wherever finer podcasts are found. Please join our Facebook group, and we could be reached at When They Was Fab and on Gmail. The opening theme was written, produced, and recorded by Jay Young Kim, Beaster Famine Studios, San Francisco, California. the Beatles do now. A show, a live show. That's it. We should do the show in a place we're not allowed to do it, getting forcibly ejected. I think that's too dangerous. I mean, that is an interesting thought of you all being beaten up. <laughs> well, we'd have to do it sitting down. Then we get too excited. said that he thought we ought to just tell it like it is. A 
Dziękuję. I tell you one thing, there's sickness going on and there's some good people doing work in hospitals, but they got no bread to do it on. Not only are they working in a miserable condition with sick people, but they're, they're scraping the barrel for funds to keep going. Turned up nice again.